Welcome to Awakening. Thrilled that you're here. If you're new, my name's Ryan, uh, and we're just excited to celebrate uh, Easter with you all. Um, growing up, I have twin older brothers. I still do. Uh, and uh, they're six and a half years older. They're fraternal. And so I have this incredible competitive drive within me to beat my brothers. However, there is a clear pecking order, at least growing up. Uh, and so one brother, Jason, he was a little bit bigger than the other brother, Eric, the twin brothers. They're fraternal, right? And so he had more muscle, and we always kind of joke that he ate more food in the uh, womb. Uh, and so, so he was bigger and stronger, and he always would beat up on Eric. And so then the natural pecking order for our family, and maybe you've had this like you, if you had siblings, the natural pecking order was Jason would beat up on Eric. He had to get it out somewhere, and so it came naturally down to me, right? And so I just began, and you can feel bad for me. Thank you very much. I'd appreciate that. Okay, it's not going to happen. Cool, whatever. Uh, but actually, he was a fantastic brother. I'll tell you stories at a later date about that. But here's, here's what's interesting is I didn't have the physicality to take him. And so I resulted uh, to using psychological warfare. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, use a quick wit to somehow try to get at him. And I remember this on one particular day. He was playing uh, basketball. He's on varsity. He's warming up. I mean, outside, you know, dribbling. <clears throat> Jaysha, all right, you know, doing layups. He's doing all, you know, Steph Curry-ish, but not, he wasn't, yeah, anyways, you know what I'm saying. And I walk out, I walk out, and I look at, look at Steph, I mean Eric, and, and I look at him and I go, what you doing? I'm 12, he's 17, and he's like, I'm warming up for the game tonight. Annoyed. And here's what I said next. Remember, psychological warfare. Why? You don't really play anyways. And he runs in. He goes, Mom! By the way, just I'll finish the story because I didn't last service. He scored 30 points that game to prove his little brother wrong. I just got to say it. I got to give him, yeah. We almost clap for that. Did we almost, we're almost there. We were almost there this morning. I like that. All right. <laughs> now here, here's, here's the interesting part. Because honestly, as I've been praying, as I've been praying, uh, preparing for Easter, um, there's, uh, I'm really speaking to a certain someone this morning. A certain someone who's been warming up for the game, but never really in the game. Someone who is, is going through life, maybe a little disillusioned by life, maybe discouraged, and you feel like you're hurried with the activities of life, but you're not actually experiencing life. And sometimes it comes across right in our face, and sometimes at Easter, this is how it comes across, because we show up at a moment like this, and we see everybody dressed real nice. And we see their perfect family, and we assume their perfect life. And it feels like the little brother comes out and just kind of pokes your side of like, you're not in the game. You're not actually experiencing what's truly life. You walked in discouraged. You walked in feeling like, man, I don't even know what's going on. And when I look around at me, when I look around here, it seems like everybody else has got it together. I don't know. I don't know where you walked in this morning. 
But do you feel stuck on the sidelines? You know what I've noticed? Silicon Valley, us, we live hurried, busy lives that are so full and yet oftentimes on the inside, empty. It goes something like this. You know what? When I graduate college, then life will begin. When I finally get my master's and I get that career, you know what I'm saying? And then it's going to, everything's going to like, oh, it's going to lock in. And then you don't get the career or you get the career. That's even worse. You get the career that you want and you realize it didn't fulfill. And then you go, no, no, no. He is going to satisfy. She is going to fulfill me. And at the beginning, she does. In the beginning, he does. And then all of a sudden, you really get to know them. Like, oh, good Lord. I hope you're good because she's not. <laughs> Hello. And, and, and you realize, <laughs> wow, hit a, hit, a, hit a nerve with a couple of you. <laughs> and, and you realize, oh, my goodness. I thought this was finally going to be the answer, and it's not. So you know what we do? Here's what we do. Let's bring kids into the equation because they make life easier and simpler and solve all problems. Because if she's not fulfilling, if he's not making my life work out right, then maybe kids will be the answer. And kids are fantastic. I got three of them. They don't simplify. And maybe you walked in this morning. Maybe you're wrestling with this. Does it really matter? I mean, what's the point? What's the point of all the busyness? What's the point of all the hurry? What's the point of somehow trying to get upwardly mobile? What's the point of all the things of driving kids to and fro? What's the point of somehow striving to keep up with the Joneses? And you walked in disillusioned, maybe discouraged, feeling like you're stuck on the sidelines. And even today, as fun as this is, can feel like a little brother just kind of poking it in your side. Jesus said it this way. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? I love that. What is it good is it that you gain the career? What good, good is it if you gain the house, be able to vacation whenever you want, to be financially independent? And yet, and yet if you gain all that and yet lose or forfeit their very self, Another way to say it is your very soul, that there's something more important than just having it all and being it all. Jesus is going to say, and we would resonate, go, okay, I get it. There is a pursuit and there's a hurry, but if we lose what's most important, then we've lost it all. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that you can actually win and lose at the same time? And we've been there. We've experienced that. I think one of the problems that, especially in this area that we get caught up on, is that we so often try to solve spiritual problems with physical solutions. And so we get caught in a cycle and are never experiencing the life we were created for. This morning, I I hope, I hope that I will make a connection for you from that wrestling point or that tension in your soul of does it really matter and what's the point and then connecting to to Easter and why Easter really matters. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, 
It's this church that's in the city called Corinth. Hello. Uh, and, and he's writing to them, and he says this. He says that, I want to remind you and pass on to you what's most important. Now, you think about the Apostle Paul, uh, and he, if you don't know, he wrote like about half of the New Testament, but he didn't start off as the Apostle Paul. In fact, he started off as a guy named anybody? Saul. Saul, yeah, yeah. We won't do pop quiz for the rest of the way, so if you're like going, I didn't come prepared, I didn't study up, that's okay, sit back, relax. Paul started off as Saul. What you need to know about Saul, Saul was upwardly mobile, highly educated. He, He was incredibly wealthy, came from influence and affluence. And he was moving up the ranks in in Judaism as one of the dominant minds of his time. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant man. And he decided that he was going to make it his life's mission to eradicate followers of what was known as the way, the early followers of Jesus. And he spent his energy, his time, his passion to not only persecute, but to kill followers of Jesus. This is the person who's going to write what we're going to read in just a second about what's most important and what really, really matters. And he spent the first part of his life attacking what he's going to say really, really matters. And he starts off and he's on a journey with papers in his hand to kill and imprison followers of Jesus. And on that road, he sees Jesus. He sees him. He has this life-changing encounter with God, and he sees the risen Savior. And as a result of that one point in time, the whole direction of this skeptic The whole direction of this antagonist, the whole direction of this man who hated, denied, and passionately persecuted followers of Jesus was forever flipped. Because he saw something. No, 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 get it right. He saw someone. And it changed everything. And that man, Saul, who now Paul, who went on, by the way, brilliant mind, passionate. He turned that passion, by the way, into sharing the news that this Savior, Jesus, is alive. Penned half of the New Testament, writing letters to churches. He was brutally stoned and beaten. He's been shipwrecked in prison and then ultimately would die and be executed for being a follower of of Jesus and declaring not a good philosophy. By the way, that's not what Christianity hinges on. Not a good text. Not religious morals or duties. You must understand this if you don't. All of Christianity hinges on a singular historical event. The resurrection of Jesus. If he did, this is so good. If he did not come back to life, if the resurrection is not real, we're wasting our time. You look pretty, but it's a waste. Just saying. But if it did happen, Jesus is indeed who he said he is. And what he said is 
fundamentally true. The skeptic, the antagonist, pens these words about what really matters and what's most important. For what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance. What I'm saying, don't miss this. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised. And on the third day, according to the scriptures, that he, and that he appeared to Cephas, you know him as Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. See, this wasn't just an event that happened in obscurity. This wasn't just an event that happened with a few and like two or three of like the closest people that saw it and then they began to share it. This was an event that took place in Jerusalem right where he was executed, by the way, and Christianity started there. Started where everyone could refute it. And it wasn't just a few. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saw it. In fact, at one time, 500 plus people saw the risen Savior, Jesus. And this movement that started in obscurity in Jerusalem spread across the Roman Empire because people's lives had been fundamentally changed. So much so. Notice what he says here. I love this. Then he appeared to James. You know who James is? Brother of Jesus. You know what it takes to have your brother believe that you're the son of God? I mean, if my, if my brother came up to me, hey, I'm God. No, no, no. You're acting like God. Yeah, I get that. But you are not God. That's where James was, by the way. Jesus' early entire life, James did not believe Jesus. It was only after he saw the resurrected Jesus that he believed. He went on, by the way, to lead the church in Jerusalem. That's a tough place to lead, by the way. And then he says, last of all, he appeared to me, Paul, as if one abnormally born, the skeptic, person who wasn't on the inner circle, by the way, person who had had no advantage and saw no reason why he should believe except that it was true. I want to make just maybe some few observations on why Easter really matters and why it intersects with the wrestling of your soul. Here's why I believe Easter really matters. Here's why I think it matters to you and to me right now, 2,000 plus years later. See, at the cross, at the cross, Jesus took on our greatest problem. No, not your boss or your mother-in-law or your spouse. See, Jesus took on your greatest problem. I don't know if you noticed that, but it said that Christ died for, and by the way, every one of us is going to die. Good morning. Welcome to church. You die for something. To die for something means you have to stand and live for something. Jesus said, I died. He died for our sins. Now, you may not think this, but the biggest problem in your life is not external, it's internal. 
The biggest problem in your life is not external around you. In fact, if you got everything perfect around you because there's an internal reality, a sickness of your soul, a natural bent away from what's good, away from what I'd say, God, you would naturally begin to pollute the external around you. Okay, you're not with me. See, because we don't like the word sin, and I think it's been kind of hijacked a little bit, I just want to explain sin for a second. Apostle Paul, writing then to the Church of Romans, said this, For the wages of sin is death. Man, we're getting encouraging already. We're just keep going lower. Um, but think about this. Wage. You know what a wage is. It's what you earn. Work done. A wage is, is, is due compensation for the work you've done. Sin is literally this. This is the, what the word means. So think about this. It literally means to miss the mark, to fall short. It, the word comes from the picture of an archer who pulls back the arrow and shoots at the target and misses. So the wages, due compensation, for missing the mark is death. It just means Separation. We've experienced, you, every one of us has experienced this, separation emotionally. When we miss the mark relationally with someone, when we don't hold to our standards or the standards that we've accepted in a relationship, it brings separation emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. Let me give you a painful example. Um, This last Friday is Good Friday. It's my son's birthday, Miles. He's six, but he has a deep voice. It's crazy. He's got a deeper voice than me. I, I'm afraid of him already. Um, and, and it was so funny because he's like, dad, seriously, <laughs> did Jesus die on my birthday? And I'm like, no, I had to explain that whole thing, you know. <laughs> the week before this last Friday, I would, I would call, it was a no good very bad, terrible, horrible, however that went, Friday day. It started off great. Fridays are generally my days off. And so I got up, got, you know, details done around the house, knocking out all my, you know, list of things that haven't got done throughout the week. And what you need to know in context is Jenny and I have been talking and uh, we were just, my wife is the most amazing giving person I know. She gives to other, and it's really hard to receive. She's just so good at taking care and loving our family and those around us, and she'll never spend anything on herself. It's crazy. It's nice. It's, it saves our bank account, but it's crazy. I mean, she won't. If she needs it, she won't get it. And so as I'm running my errands in, in a very, with great intentions, I drive by and we've been talking about, you know, she was telling me these classes that she likes that has the music and the, you, sometimes you dance, sometimes you stretch. I don't know, Pilates, Zumba, I don't, I don't know what it is, but they're at these nice places that are expensive, you know, and we're like, oh, we can't afford that. And I would never want to do that. And so I'm driving by one. It's called the bar something. I don't know. It's not a bar, but it's something about bars. Um, they don't drink. I think they work out. Um, maybe they drink. I don't know. Maybe that's why it's so popular. Okay. And, and so I'm driving by, and I'm like, I'm just driving by. And I thought, well, I'll just go in and check it out. I mean, I want her to have the best. I don't want her to feel like she's going without. And so I go in there and see how expensive it is. It's expensive. I mean, it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> I go, well, you know what? We can change some stuff with the budget. We can get there. 
And, and so it's like, oh, they have this little cheap kind of trial thing. Let's try that out, and I'll surprise her, and it'll be great. And she'll go, oh, what a thoughtful, amazing husband. You are awesome, Ryan. Wow, I would never do that for myself. That's not how the conversation went. <laughs> See, there's a massive difference, by the way, between our intention and decision. We often judge ourselves by our intention. Others people judge us by our decisions. Sin, right? The wages... Due compensation, sin, missed the mark. My intention was love her. However, what I communicated unintentionally and very painfully wasn't, wow, I love you, I want to give something. It was, hey, babe, you need to work out. <laughs> of sin is death. <laughs> is death. Separation. And by the way, in my house, you could feel death. Here's what we all know, because we've all been there in some way. We all know in those moments when we've done something intentionally or unintentionally, but our actions have caused death or separation. What we know is restitution needs to be made, right? We need to make it right. There needs to be some sort of payment. And it took me a while because I had such good intentions. I was defending myself. Bad husband move, by the way. Don't do that. Um, And then finally got it, and I realized, oh, my goodness. And so restitution, I was like, let me, let me give you what I intended and not what actually. And so I went and got her a little like massage thing and flowers. And good Lord, please forgive me. That's not what I meant. And take me back. <laughs> See, at the cross, Jesus took on our biggest problem. It's not external, it's internal, it's sin. It's the reality that you and I have missed the mark, that you and I, we've fallen short, and as a result, it's caused death. It's caused separation from God, yes, and we've experienced that. It caused separation even from yourself. That's why there's a dissonance and a disconnect in your own soul, and it it brings death or separation to those around us. And at the cross, Jesus paid for everything past present and future ever done. That's a really good place for an amen. Somebody come with me this morning. But the gift of God. Gift. It's received. Can't earn it. It's what he's done, not what you've done. Wow. It's eternal life. Now let's let's unpack that real quick and then we'll move on. Because we think of it life later. When the Bible speaks of eternal life, it means life now and forevermore. That eternity starts then. Life starts then. It's life that's truly life. It's not so much about getting into heaven as it is getting heaven into you. That is the invitation that when Christ said at the cross, I took on your greatest problem to bring life, to bring purpose, to bring meaning to your soul. Now, there's Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. And we skip over Saturday. Something significant happened Saturday. And we talk about Good Friday and then we come in and celebrate Easter Sunday, but there's Saturday. There's the tomb. See, because in the tomb, Jesus took on your deepest fear. I don't know if you've thought about it this way. You know that um, 
one of the top fears for people is public speaking. That underneath that is death. That you fear more what I do than dying, which is weird to me because I do this every week. Always in the top 10 of deepest fears for people. One is claustrophobia, being enclosed in a tart, you know, dark, small space. Rejection. Failure. See, we forget Saturday. And Saturday, Jesus was in the tomb, abandoned, in silence. Deemed a failure, rejected, and walked away. Sat, the son of God, and darkness lay in a tomb with a stone rolled over it. And the declaration that it is finished felt like it wasn't something that was going to continue, but that was the end of the story. And I don't know what you walked in this morning, but some of you walked in with some deep anxiety and fear. And one of the greatest fears for many of us is the fear of being rejected or abandoned and alone. And you don't realize that you have a God who knows exactly how that feels. And he took on your deepest fear. Do you know that the most often command, many of you know this, is be good. No, I'm kidding. It's not be good. It's do not be afraid. Over and over through scripture, it's do not be afraid. And do you know what's connected to that phrase almost 100% of the time? For I am with you. Do you know what Jesus said? Resurrected Jesus, his final words to his disciples was, for surely I am with you even to the very end of the age. I am with you always. I'm with you always. And I took on your deepest fear. I understand. And here's what's amazing. It's not, I, I, don't be afraid because I'm going to fix it all. Don't be afraid because the situation is going to change. Don't be afraid because, because, because. Don't be afraid because I'm with you and that's enough. My presence is more than enough in this moment. A few years ago, my uh, family and I were at the, um, the beach, and I'm a beach kid, grew up in Santa Cruz, surfing, love it. And so I'm out paddleboarding as my family's playing on the beach, and my daughter's like, Daddy, I want to go paddleboarding with you. And there's some things that look so fun from the shore, but once you get out there, it gets a little scary. And so she got on her life vest, and she got out there on the paddleboard with me, and we got about 20, 30 yards out, and she looked around, and she realized there's waves, she looked back and saw the shore, and it looked way farther than she had anticipated it looking. And she looked down and couldn't see the bottom, and the sea was deeper than she thought. And she just began to grab her knees and just quiver and shake. And she said, Daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, I'm scared. Take me back. And you know what I said? Suck it up, kid. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I held her in my arms on that paddleboard. And I said, honey, your daddy's with you. I love you so much. I wouldn't take you somewhere where you're not safe. 
The waves aren't as big as they feel, and it's not as deep as you think, and we're actually not out as far as you feel. But here's what matters. You're with your daddy, and that's enough, and I'll take care of you. I am with you, and I love you. And in the tomb, Jesus took on your deepest fear. And what he says to you in this moment, I'm with you, and that's enough. And I just wish that you could see it from my perspective, because the waves don't feel that daunting, and the sea isn't that deep. And because you're with me, you could go where you didn't think you could go, and you could do what you couldn't think you could do, because you're with your father. Father, and the tomb reminds us that our Savior took on our deepest, deepest fear, and he's with us always. And then there's Sunday. If he took on our biggest problem, sin, deepest fear, on Sunday, he overcame our greatest enemy, death. You know, we do everything, everything to ignore death culturally. You get that, right? I mean, we just try to push it away. And if there's really, 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 really old people, we just put them in a home by themselves, you know, keep them away from society. We, we do Botox, you know, don't want any signs of it pointed in there. My wife was telling me I got a big old crease right down the middle because I squint my eyes. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm dying. I'm literally in the process of dying. That is, that is, that is why. We do plastic surgery, anti-aging cream, wear skinny jeans. I don't know. But we do anything and everything to hide the fact that death is the ultimate equalizer, isn't it? You know what renders life meaningless? That causes us to ask that question, does it really matter? Is it worth it? So what? It's because ultimately death renders life meaningless. We get this. We know this. Because it doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how educated and smart you are. We all die and we can't take it with us. And at the resurrection, our greatest enemy was defeated. Death itself. I love how the apostle Paul says it this way. Death has been swallowed up by victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, because in the resurrection, what we find is death is not the end and death is not final because we have a Savior who has overcome and conquered the grave. And as a result, we are invited into life itself. Resurrection, by the way, because... I love you intellectuals. And sometimes we think you have to throw your brains out to follow Jesus. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Because remember, all of Christianity, whether Jesus is real, like the Son of God, and what his words are true, hinge, hinge on the resurrection. Now think about this. The resurrection itself. Every major scholar agrees Skeptic or believer, theist 
or atheist. Every major scholar believes on these facts about the resurrection. One, that Jesus died a Roman crucifixion. Two, that he was buried in a tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. Three, that the tomb was empty. And four, that his followers believed they saw him and ultimately then died for what they believed. And at some point, you got to deal with the facts. At some point, you got to wrestle with it. At some point, you saying, I'm not going to investigate it, is you putting your head in the sand. Test it. See. Discover. Here's the easy part. You can... Any other religion, go check it out. You go to Christianity, all you have to do is examine one event and come to the conclusion of the facts presented. See, at the resurrection, Jesus overcame our greatest enemy, death itself. And in him, you can have life now and forevermore. Jesus said this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? You can have it all and yet lose what matters most. Here's what he said right before that line. This is what preceded that line. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever orients their life around them and somehow trying to get mine ultimately will lose their life. But... Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Either that is a bold-faced lie or that is 100% the truth. What he's saying here is if you give your life to me, you will find what is truly life. If you give your life to me, Because I have defeated death. I've taken care of your biggest problem. I've addressed your greatest fear. If you will give your life to me, in me, you'll find what is truly life. You will find in Jesus precisely what you have not found in life. Here's why. Because he took on our biggest problem, our deepest fear, and our greatest enemy. Could it be? that you've been trying to solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. And the invitation for some in this room today is to say, you know what? I believe. I'm going to put my full weight and trust in Jesus. I believe that he took on the greatest problem, my internal world, and that he died, but also came back to life. And so that all that he said is true, And he is indeed who he said he is. And so I'm going to give him my life that I might experience what is truly life. And the the way you do it is just simple. You just have a conversation with God. You just tell God, God, I want to start a relationship with you. I long to be in relationship with you. Will you come into my life and make me new? I believe and I trust you. And I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. I don't know how it all works. But today I'm starting to walk with you. And you've been invited into a personal relationship with God. Now, I don't know what brought you here this morning. For some, it's Easter, and you do the Easter thing. For others, you're invited, and you're promised a really great lunch, and so you're hoping I finish quick. And I will. I'm almost done, like two minutes. But regardless of what brought you here, here's just what I want to leave you with. 
Because here's what I believe Easter reveals. Easter reveals that you matter to God whether or not God matters to you. Easter reveals that, that you matter to God, that you're on his radar, that he cares and loves you, whether or not God matters to you. See, it's not based on what you've done. See, God loves you. God pursues you. God's inviting and beckoning. And at any point you want to turn to him, he's right there, not condemning, but inviting. Because you matter to God. Whether or not God even matters to you. And so I just want you to sit back, relax, take a look at this video, and just wrestle with that. Where are you at this Easter? Does it really matter?